All right, this is episode 23, and we're on chapter 23 of Tom Sawyer. Isn't that funny how that worked out? Yeah. Um, and we are kind of in the home stretch of the book. There are 35 chapters altogether, and we're on chapter 23. So, we're, we're making excellent progress. Look how much of the book is left. I know. We're oh more God. than halfway. Oh, my God. All right, let's get to it. We're going to do a, a, a little bit of Don't a... Don't sh- tell them. Don't tell them? Don't tell them. Okay, we'll just let it be obvious when they <laughs> see the episode that it's going to be a little bit shorter tonight. No! How could you tell that? Just a little bit shorter. We're going to... We're going to... Don't sh- tell them the time. Okay. All right, chapter 23. <clears throat> At last the sleepy atmosphere was stirred and, vigor- and vigorously the murder, tr- the murder trial came in the court. It became the absorbing topic of village full of village talk immediately. Tom could not get away from it. Every reference to every reference to the murder sent a shudder to his heart, for his troubled conscience and fears almost persuaded him that these remarks were put forth in his hearing as feelers. He did not know. He did not know how. He did not see. He did not see how he could be suspected of knowing anything about the murderer, but still he could not be comfortable with the midst with the midst of this of this gossip. He kept he kept in a cold shiver. Kept him. He kept him in a cold shiver all the time. He took Huck to a lonely place to have a talk with him. It would be some relief to unseal his tongue for a little while, to div- to divide his burden of distress with another sufferer. Moreover, he wanted to ensure, ensure, assure himself that Huck had remained discreet. <coughs> okay, I'll read Huck. Ah. Huck, have you ever told anybody about that? About what? You know that. You know what? You know what? Oh, of course I haven't. Never a word? Never a solitary word, so help me. What makes you ask? Well, I was afeard. Why, Tom Sawyer, we wouldn't be alive two days if that got found out. You know that. Tom felt more comfortable after a pause. Huck, they couldn't—they couldn't anybody get you to tell, could they? Get me to tell? Why, if I wanted that half-breed devil to drown me, they could get me to tell. They ain't no different way. Wait, is this spelling correctly? Drowned? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's dialect. Yeah. So he's, he's saying they, um, they were to kill me because they, they think Injun Joe is going to come after them if they say anything. Come on, keep the book up so you don't hurt your neck. Well, that's all right then. I reckon we're safe as long as we keep mum. Let's, but let's swear again anyway. It's more sure. I'm agreed. So they swore again with dread solemnities. Good. Let me guess, they were drinking too. No, they don't drink. What is the talk around? Oh, go ahead. That's you. 
What is the talk around Huck? I've I've heard a power of it. Talk? Well, it's just Muff Potter, Muff Potter, Muff Potter all the time. It keeps me in a sweat constant. So I want to hide some summers. That's just the same way they go on they go on around me. I reckon he's a goner. Don't you feel sorry for him sometimes? Most always. Most always. He ain't no account, but then he ain't he ain't ever done anything to hurt anybody. Just fishes a little to get money to get drunk on and loafs around considerable. But Lord, we all do that, leastways most of us. Stop, Willie. Preachers and such like. But he's kind of good. He give me half a fish. Uh, half a fish once when there weren't enough for two. And lots of times he kind of stood by me when I was out of luck. <laughs> well, he's mended kites for me, Huck. And knitted hooks to... And knitted hooks onto my line. I wish we could get him out of there. My, we couldn't get him out, Tom. And besides, wouldn't do any good. They'd catch him again. Yes, so they would. But I hate to hear him abuse him. So like the Dickens when he never done that. I do too, Tom. Lord, I hear him say he's the bloodiest looking villain in this country. And they wonder he wasn't ever hung before. Yes, they talk like that all the time. I've heard him say that if he was to get free, they'd lynch him. And they'd do it, too. The boys had a long talk, but brought it... But brought it then little... It, it brought them. But it brought them little comfort. As the twilight drew on, they found themselves hanging about the neighborhood of the little isolated jail. Per- perhaps with an undefined hope that something would happen that might clear away their difficulties, but nothing happened. There seemed, there seemed to be no angels or fairies interested in this, luck, in this luckless captive. The boys did as they had often done before, went to the cell grating and gave Potter some, grating and gave Potter some, to, some tobacco and matches. He was on the ground floor and there were no guards. His gratitude, his gratuity for the gi- gratitude, his his gratitude for the gifts had always smote their consciences. Before it cut deeper than ever this time, they felt cowardly and treacherous to the last degree. When Potter said, "You've been mighty good to me, boys, better than anybody else in this town, and I don't forget it. I don't." Often I says to myself, says I, I used to mend all the boys' kites and things and show them where the good fishing places was and befriend them uh, what I could, and now they've all forgot old Muff when he's in trouble. But Tom don't and Huck don't. They don't forget him, says I, and, and I don't forget them. Well, boys, I done an awful thing, drunk and crazy at the time. That's the only way I account for it, and now I got to swing for it, and it's, and it's right, right and best too, I reckon. I, I hope so anyway. Well, we won't talk about that. I don't want to make you feel bad. You've befriended me, but what I want to say is, don't ever get drunk, 
and then you won't ever get here. Stand a litter further west. <laughs> so that's it. It's a prime comfort to see faces that's friendly when your body's in such a muck of trouble. And there don't none come here but yourn. Good friendly faces, good friendly faces. Get up on one another's backs and let me touch them. That's it. Shake hands. Yorn will come through the bars, but mine's too big. <laughs> Little hands and weak, but they've helped Muff Potter a power, and they'd help him more if they could. <laughs> Up here. Tom went home miserable, and his dreams that night were full of horrors. The next day and the, ne and the day after, he hung out he hung about the courtroom, drawn by an almost irresistible impulse to go in, but forcing himself to stay out. Huck was having the same experience. They studiously avoided each other, each, wa each wandered way from time to time, but the same dismal fascination always brought them back presently. Tom kept his ear open ears open when Idler sauntered out of the courtroom, but invariably heard distressing news. The toils were closing more and more relentlessly about poor Potter. At the end of the second day of the village, talk was to the effect that Injun Joe's evidence stood firm and unshaken, that there were that that there was not the slightest question to what the jury's verdict would be. Tom was, Tom was out late at night that night. Tom was out late that night and came to bed through the window. He was in a tremendous state of excitement. It was hours before he got to sleep. All the village flocked to the courthouse the next morning, for this was to be the great day. Both sexes were about equally interested in the represented pact, represented in the packed audience. After a long wait, the jury filed in and took their places. Shortly afterward, Potter, pale and haggard, timid and hopeless, was brought in with chains upon him, and seated where all the curious eyes could stare at him. No less conspicuous was Injun Joe, stolid as ever. There was another pause, and then the judge arrived and a sheriff proclaimed the opening of the court. The usual whisperings among the lawyers and gathering together the papers followed. These details and accompanying delays worked up an atmosphere of preparation that was impressive as it was fascinating. Now a witness was called who testified that he found Muff Potter washing in the brook at an at an early hour in the morning that the murderer was dis that the murder was discovered and that he immediately sneaked away. After some further questioning, counsel for the pr prosecution said, "Take the witness." The the prisoner raised raised his eyes for a minute but dropped them again when his own counsel said, I have no questions to ask him. The next witness proved the finding of the knife near the corpse. Counsel for the prosecution said, 
take the witness. I have no questions to ask him, Potter's lawyer replied. A third witness swore he had seen the knife in Potter's possession. Take the witness. Counsel for Potter declined to question him. The faces of the audience began to betray annoyance. Did this attorney mean to throw away his client's life without an effort? Several witnesses deposed concerning Potter's guilty behavior when brought to the scene of the murder. They were allowed to leave the stand without being cross-questioned. Every detail of the damaging circumstances that occurred in the graveyard upon that morning, which all present all present remembered so well that brought out by credible witnesses, but none of them were cross-examined by cross-examined Pot- cross-examined by Potter's lawyer. The perplexity and dissatisfaction of the house expressed itself in murmurs and provoked by a reproof of the bench. Counsel for the prosecution now said, By oaths of citizens whose simple word is above suspicion, we have fastened this awful crime beyond all possibility of question upon the unhappy prisoner at the bar. We rest our case here. A groan escaped from poor Potter, and he put his face in hands and rocked his body softly and fro, while to, and a pain- fro. to and fro, while a painful silence resigned in the court reigned. Room. reigned in the courtroom. Many men were moved, and many women's compassion testified itself in tears. Count- Your Honor... Oh, counsel for the defense. Counsel for the defense rose and said, Your Honor, in our remarks at the opening of this trial, we foreshadowed our purpose to prove that our client did this fearful deed while under the influence of a blind and irresponsible delirium produced by drink. We have changed our mind. We shall not offer that plea. Then to the clerk, call Thomas Sawyer. A puzzled amazement awoke in every face in the house. Not even except, not even accepting, I think. Potters. Potters, every, Potters. Every eye fastened itself with wondering interest upon Tom as he rose badly scared. The oath was in. Wait, rose and took his place. As he rose and took his place upon the stand. The boy looked wild enough, for he was badly scared. The oath was administered. Thomas Sawyer, where were you on the 17th of June, about the hour of midnight? Tom glanced at Injun Joe's iron face, and his tongue failed him. The audience listened breathless, but the words refused to come. After a few moments, however, the boy got a little of his strength back and managed to put enough of his voice enough of it into his voice to make part of the house here in the graveyard a little bit louder please let me read the other part because the listeners can't tell in the graveyard a little bit louder please don't be afraid you were in the graveyard 
a contemptuous smile. A contemptuous smile flitted across Injun Joe's face. Were you anywhere near Horse William's grave? Yes, sir. Speak up just a little louder. Now, how near were you? Near as I am to you. Were you hidden or not? I was hid. Where? Behind the elms that's on the edge of the grave. Injun Joe gave a barely perceptible start. Anyone with you? Anyone with you? Yes, sir. I went with... Wait, wait a moment. Never mind mentioning your companion's name. We will produce him at the proper time. Did you carry anything there with you? Tom hesitated and looked confused. Speak out, my boy. Don't be diffident. The truth is always respectable. What did you take there? Only a a dead cat. There was a ripple of mirth, which the court checked. We will produce the skeleton of that cat. Now, my boy, tell us everything that occurred. Tell it in your own way. Don't skip anything and don't be afraid. Tom began hesitatingly at first, but as he warmed to the subject, his words flowed more and more easily. In a little while, every sound ceased but his own voice. Every eye fixed itself upon him. With parted lips and bated breath, the audience hung upon his words, taking no note of time. Wrapped, wrapped in the ghastly fascinations of the tale, the street upon pent emotion reached its climax when the boy said, and as the doctor fetched the board around, <clears throat> around and Muff Potter fell, Engine Joe jumped with the knife and... Crash! Quick as lightning, the half-breed sprang for a window, tore his way through all the opposers, and was gone. Ooh, Injun Joe ran away. Can you believe (coughs) Tom did that? He broke his oath to Huck. What are they going to do? Is Injun Joe going to come after them? Whoa. All right, let's push through and not take a break. Stretch. Just a little stretch. And that is the end of chapter 23. We are now on chapter 24. And it's turned into a courtroom drama. Yeah. Something like that. Alright. <coughs> Come on. Just five more minutes. Something in your finger? You got a splinter? Like a cut. Oh. Well, read your book. <laughs> Tom was a glittering hero once more, the pet of the old, the envy of the young. His name even went into an Im- immortal print. For the village paper magnified him. There there was some that believed he would be president, yet if he escaped hanging. As <laughs> usual, the fickle Read, read that again. That's a funny line. There were some that believed he would be president yet if he escaped hanging. <laughs> As usual, the fickle, unreasoning world took Muff Potter to its bosom. 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 And fondled him as lavishly as it had abused him before. But that sort of conduct is, to the world's credit, Therefore, it is not well to find fault with it. 
<laughs> Tom's days were days of splendor and exultation to him, but his nights were seasons of horror. Injun Joe infested all his dreams, and always with and always with doom in his eye. Hardly any temptation could persuade the boy to stir abroad after nightfall. Poor Huck was in the same state of wretchedness and terror, for Tom had had told the whole story to the lawyer the night before the great day of the trial, and Huck was sore afraid that his share in the business might leak out. Yet, notwithstanding... Huh? There's no spaces. Might leak out, yet, notwithstanding Injun Joe's flight. Is this spelled correctly? Like, yes. No spaces? Notwithstanding. Yep. Injun Joe's flight had saved him the suffering of testifying in court. A poor fellow... The poor fellow had got the attorney to promise secrecy. Secrecy. But what of that? Since Tom's harassed conscience had managed to drive him to the lawyer's house by night and wring a dead tail from lips that had been sealed in in the... Sealed with the... Dismalest and most formidable of oaths. Huck's confidence in the human race was well-nigh obliterated. Daily Muff Potter's gratitude made Tom glad as, as he had spoken. Glad he had spoken. Glad he had spoken. But nightly, he wished he had sealed up his tongue. Half the time, Tom was afraid Injun Joe would never be captured. The other half was afraid he would be. He felt sure that he he never could draw a safe breath again until that man was dead and he had seen the corpse. Redwards, rewards rewards had been offered. The country had been had been scored, scoured, scoured. But no engine Joe was found. One of those omniscient and good and only. Awe-inspiring. Awe-inspiring marvels. A detective came up from St. Louis, moused around, shook his head, looked wise, and made that sort of astounding success which members that of, of that. that craft usually achieve. That is to say, he found a clue, but you, hang, but you can't hang a clue for murder. <laughs> and so after that detective had got through and gone home, Tom just felt as insecure as he Tom was felt before. Just, felt just as. as insecure as he had felt before. The slow days drifted on and left each behind as it slowly lightened the weight of apprehension. All right. And that is the end of chapter 24. So I think we'll end it there for tonight. It's 10 more chapters. Yeah, 10 more chapters. Exactly. We could do that. We read two chapters tonight and it was a short podcast. Good job, Wiley. Doing good. Yeah, we're going to be done with this book in just a few more episodes. Yeah. All right, thank you for listening. Like, That's all for read, tonight. If we oh. read two chapters per episode, we'll be done in four episodes. Yeah. And then what will we read? Don't know? I don't know. Maybe some more Hans Christian Andersen. What do you think? 
Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. This is really fun. Oh, good. Do you, do you know what? There's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. There is a um, sequel to this novel, and it's about Huckleberry Finn. Would you like to do that next? Maybe, maybe. 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 Not, not next, but maybe. Yeah, eventually, maybe. Yeah, eventually, but not next. All right, well, thank you for listening. See you next time. Before you go, Bye-bye. I need to... I need no, we're not going to No.